This is First Nature on the Rising Man Podcast. Good day to you, Rising Man family. This is your host, Sean Barry, bringing you another episode of First Nature right here on the Rising Man Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I am going a little deeper uh, on why. Why is it important to bring uh, connection to nature into your life and, and not just your any old flavor of the day nature connection. Uh, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, of course, uh, getting outdoors at any time for any reason is a good thing. But I wanted to talk about why getting into a deep nature connection is something everyone not only will benefit from, but you know, as a species, as a uh, as a representative of this planet, however <laughs> you want to look at it, as the, the apex position we hold, it's vital. It's vital to our survival. It's vital to the survival of all the other life and systems that we depend on that this uh, planet uh, provides for us. So with that being said, um, yeah, I'm breaking it down today. This isn't professional uh, jargon, but it's a way to maybe understand a little more where you are on that trajectory of, you know, being connected to nature. And uh, for most of us, for a lot of us, it's simply, uh, we just get outside and do the things we love to do. We, we rock climb, we bike, we hike, we swim in the rivers, lakes, and oceans. Um, maybe we picnic. Uh, there's all these beautiful ways that we get out to you know, just enjoy the outdoors. And absolutely, we need to be doing those things. We wanna do those things. And then secondly, I'd say there's like a, a nature appreciation, which is more uh, something specific that really feels like it speaks more to us as an individual, something that um, brings more of a, um, you know, an identity to ourselves when we are out in nature doing that thing. And then third, what we talk about today is getting even beyond that, getting into deep nature connection where there is no longer a line between me and nature, but there is this, you know, this interest and this pursuit and this willingness to, to blur the line and to see ourselves as part of nature, part of the very fabric that makes this planet work. Now, I know for some listeners, uh, that might feel like a long shot. That might feel a little outside the realm of uh, the natural order of things and the, the general, what we call the general Western mindset around, um, you know, humans on the planet. And that's fine. Uh, I encourage you just to keep listening. I really am comfortable if people disagree with you know what I'm putting forward because at the end of the day, it really is just my opinion. Um, but what I always hope you do get from this podcast is a sense of inspiration, some curiosity, and some interest in getting outside more just to explore more of the connection you, you do have at whatever level it is with the flora, fauna and mineralia that makes up our entire planet and all the things we use. So with that, uh, sit back, enjoy. Uh, as always, I welcome and uh, request feedback. I would love to hear people's thoughts, feelings, opinions. Um, I want this podcast to be really just a centerpiece around a conversation with as many people that are willing to, to get in and discuss uh, 
nature and its role in our lives. Uh, so without further ado, enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side. I'm out here in Topanga Canyon, taking a nice morning walk. If you're watching this on video, you can see it's a lovely overcast, foggy morning. Feels very magical, very mystical. Um, this California buckeye is, looks like snowballs on top of the stems and the deer weed is just this amazing, like rolling candle, red and yellow flowers. And it's still so green here, even in, uh, it's almost July. See some wild fennel, coyote bush, artemisia, purple sage, and it's stunning. And I hope wherever you are, uh, you're finding time to get out in nature. <laughs> That's what this podcast is all about. Supporting you and finding your own path to reconnect deeply with nature. Not just to connect, but to connect deeply. <clears throat> and for me, what that means is going beyond the, uh, the basic enjoyment of nature. So, it's, you know, a lot of us will uh, say, oh, I need to get out, I need to go. Let's go camping or let's go biking, mountain biking, or let's get down to the river or to the ocean and soothe ourselves, right? Enjoy ourselves. And uh, that's legit. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. That is 100% nature connection. And, uh, oh, sorry, as, I, as I'm walking, I'm just gonna be noticing these really amazing things. Um, right now, I'm looking at a, spider web that's about seven feet off the ground on one end and about three feet off the ground of the other and it's attached to a ceanothus bush at the high end and a fennel stalk at the other and it's just this one line which tells me either this is an old old web which i don't think it is because it looks pretty f clean so there's probably a spider somewhere making it right now. And what's really amazing is, I don't know if you can see this or not, but there's a, yeah, you can. You can see the dew drops hanging off the, uh, the web. Wow, when I'm looking at it here on the video, as I record, it looks like a thick fish line. I think this is because the lens isn't focusing fully, but it's incredible. You can see uh, on the video, it just goes all the way up to the Ceanothus bush. And then just all the way down here to the that fennel stalk. Some somebody's working hard. So side side sidebar, scale that up to human size, right? Thinking that if uh, a spider, that spider was the size of us, and you know we had eight legs and could spin web from ourselves, how high up would we we be crawling? And how in the heck did we cast off 
from one end and get to that other end so accurately. I mean, there's no breeze here right now whatsoever. There's, I'm actually down in a little sort of gully. There's rarely any kind of strong breeze passing through here, most likely. So I'm still stymied by how <laughs> they do that. It's pretty impressive. But back to deep nature connection, which uh, for me, that's <laughs> this whole thing with the spider web is, is pretty much where I'm going with all this. You know, I can think of most hikers probably wouldn't notice this. Probably because most hikers are probably hiking with somebody, which again, no judgment on that. Or they're hiking with their dog, no judgment on that. There's a few people who might be solo hiking who might see that because they're just, you know, their attention isn't on someone or something else. Uh, but it's probably gotten missed a number of times. I'm looking down the ground here. I don't really see fresh tracks here compared to mine. So I, I might be the first person who saw that web, which is pretty cool. But deep nature connection. So there's all these ways that we do. We find ourselves um, enjoying a beautiful summer day, um, you know, even enjoying a rainy day because it cools it off when it's hot. So I feel like most people do have a sense of nature connection. You just, uh, you know, we just might not be tapping into the awareness of how we're connected to it because so many of the ways we are connected to it are just, you know, the way this planet operates and we don't really think about it too much. And moving from that sort of general, you know, enjoyment of the outdoors and nature into an appreciation phase where maybe you're seeking out nature for a specific reason because you're getting something specific from it is the next step, you know, and that might be, uh, let's say you have a journaling practice and for some reason it just feels more connective to get up in the morning and go sit in the backyard and journal instead of, you know, sitting up in bed or at the kitchen table with a cup of coffee. That might be one way that uh, an appreciation for an aspect of nature has a little more consciousness to it. Uh, but even at that level, I would suggest that a lot of people are still not experiencing that deep nature connection. So let's talk about what that really is. Deep nature connection is where you find yourself experiencing nature in such a way that you not only feel like you are a part of it, but desire to become a deeper part of it, more a part of it that you have a desire to find yourself inseparable from your own experience of nature, to see yourself as nature, within nature, to thin that veil. So there's, there's very little, if anything, left to, to feel disconnected from. There's a really great podcast, if you haven't found it yet, and I highly, highly suggest it. I'm telling everybody about it. It's called The Emerald, and the host is a, a man by the name of Joshua, Schre I believe it's Schreier or Schreer, The Emerald. And uh, it's probably the best podcast I've come across that really talks about how humans 
through making meaning and making story, making myth, um, came through history, uh, negotiating our connection to nature. And I've only been listening to it for a few weeks and there is one particular episode and I, uh, I recommend you listen to it because it really gave me incentive to start to shift the focus of this podcast just a little bit. Um, and it's called, I think it's, ep- you know, I'm not going to say the number because I can't remember, but the title is uh, Animism is Normative Consciousness. Animism is Normative Consciousness. It's a pretty deep dive into this aspect of humans through time. You know, the way he says it is, you know, 99% of Homo sapiens existence has been through, you know, our projection of our experience out into the world has been through this concept of, you know, animism. It's only the last 1%, the more recent times where we've uh, expanded onto these other uh, ideas, mythology, you know, um, spiritual beliefs, if you will, out away from animism. And uh, so here's the thing with this podcast, with First Nature, if you've been listening regularly, you know, I can say that for me, I've always been a, a, a relatively nature connected person. I, I just naturally, I just grew up with a desire and uh, interest in being outdoors and finding connection, feeling connected, feeling oneness with nature. And, uh, but it wasn't until 2010 when I did a two-year program called RDNA, which is now called Weaving Earth. Happens up there in, uh, I think, Sonoma County, California is where it's at now. That I realized uh, that there was a language around that kind of connection and a history around that kind of connection and traditions. Uh, There's a whole culture around nature, this idea of nature connection. And I did not know that until that time. I mean, I had heard about the writers like, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, wow, it just escaped me. Some of these writers, uh, Edward Abbey, for instance, although I wouldn't necessarily call him someone who's consciously advocating nature connection, but you know, read one of his books and it's very easy to get pulled into the, the feeling of, uh, especially in books like uh, Desert Solitude where you feel that sense of, you know, communion, for lack of a better word, or more accurate word, with nature, this oneness. Um, trying to think of the guy who, uh, oh my gosh, who went, John Muir, think of John Muir, who, uh, you know, as the story goes, was, you know, so into nature, uh, you know, he would climb up you know, 150 feet up these pine trees in the middle of big storms and lash himself to the top of the tree and just like try to be as close to the storm and experience what a tree was experiencing within a storm. Um, you know, I mean, there's lots of people like that, but to find a community and a tradition that was able to really uh, put a language to my own personal experience was really an uh, important step in me uh, getting clear on what that deep nature connection means for me. 
So all that to say in this podcast, so coming out of that program, well, you know, I really realized that most of the general people around me, friends, family, strangers, coworkers, whatever, either had no kind of awareness of nature in that way, or they had some awareness, but they're usually kind of in the, in the you know, nature enjoyment or na- maybe a na- nature appreciation, appreciation, but hadn't really come into an awareness around deep nature connection. So this podcast, the intent of it is to meet people there, to meet people who haven't necessarily conscientiously approached nature as a relationship and intently foster deep connection with it. And, uh, and it still is. I'm not saying that this podcast is going to leapfrog into something that's unrelatable for most of the people that might be listening to it. But, you know, it's been two years. And uh, I do feel within myself, you know, there are no mistakes in life. That's the way I look at it. And so coming across this podcast and, and listening to the depth and breadth of how Joshua... Uh, goes into connection to nature, um, I realized it might be, well, not might be, I, I feel compelled to to move whoever is listening to this podcast a step closer in that direction because it really resonated with me. And what resonated was, um, and again, I really like the way he put it, is what resonated with me is, you know, identifying with animism and I have to say that, we have to say those words because there's a general consciousness out there in the greater modern mindset that animism or any other spiritual practice is optional, is something that a human can choose or not choose to have. And the way he puts it in, that podcast, hopefully you'll listen to, is, you know, that animism wasn't a thing if you go back far enough. It was just the way we all were. It was just an aspect of humanity. And it wasn't a thing that was pulled out, objectified, and then chosen to participate in. And that really stuck with me. Because I know for me, I want my life to feel that integrated, that holistic, whatever it is. And there's other aspects, but relative to nature connection. uh, Yeah, I want to feel that sense that it's not a thing outside myself that I'm going to get fed by. It is who I am to the core, deeply inside. (laughs) check this out if you're watching the video (laughs) believe it or not I'm equally impressed with that huge piece of mechanical machinery as I am with that spider web another sidebar Um, that thing is nature too look at this thing it's just solid steel these tires are almost as tall as me Right? This is just a giant block of steel. Holy smokes, it's huge. 
This thing is huge. But guess what? It's nature. It's just nature in a different form. Nothing on that machine fell out of the sky from outer space intact from some other place. Um, humans are amazing. We can pick up handfuls of dirt and make things like that and everything else we interact with. But that's for another, another uh, episode. Um, back to animism. And just talking a little bit about what you know, what's behind animism. And I don't have like a working textbook, textbook definition, but what really resonated when I was listening to that podcast was, you know, how virtually every culture across the planet, every culture across the planet at one time, independently, wherever they were in the world, because a lot of these cultures weren't in contact, of course, had no way of knowing they even existed apart from each other, had some kind of animistic mythology or spiritual practice. And that was the only myth or spiritual practice they had. There was no variety. It literally was part of what they had, part of their culture, part of who they were as, as beings. The same way that, uh, I don't know, uh, a deer can't choose or not choose to have antlers, <laughs> right? It's just part of what makes a deer a deer. So in that same way, uh, these, these ancient cultures, you know, animism was their antlers. It wasn't something they optioned. It just was who they were. They even, didn't even have a name for it being a thing. Um, and essentially, you know, my working definition of it is, and something that I have, you know, I'm, as I was listening to that podcast, I really started to resonate of like, oh my gosh, I feel like I've been sort of pursuing that in my own way in some way without really understanding exactly, you know, or not even really caring if, if it was called something, you know, it, it, and I've done a lot of, a lot of just, I spent a lot of time just really exploring and trying to understand like what would it have been like for my ancient ancestors without all the, uh, you know, science that we've developed um, to be walking around experiencing the planet and experiencing themselves and the planet. And I've, and I really love that process of just trying to engage the planet as my ancestors from 200,000 years ago. <laughs> right? <clears throat> you know. So anyways, animism. It's the sense that everything, everything has some level of sentience, some level of consciousness. There's some way to relate to it and to build a relationship with it. And that whatever it is, it has some awareness of its own purpose. Maybe not as to the, uh, you know, the depth and uh, awareness that we do as humans. But, you know, you know, take any animal, for instance. Every animal, even the ants, which if you have ever watched ants for more than five minutes it's impossible to understand what they're trying to accomplish really. But it's trusting, animism is trusting that the ant knows exactly what it's doing, what it's supposed to do. And it's not going to try to 
it's not going to um, get confused by encountering a grasshopper and then thinking maybe it should behave like a grasshopper, right? Um, so on some level of my understanding or the way that I'm kind of putting it together, yeah, that's a, a core kind of element of animism, that everything has an awareness, everything has an opportunity to build relationship with that awareness, and that everything has a sense of its own purpose. And uh, of course, uh, books and, uh, you know, master, master's programs have been built around what animism is. So please take all that with a grain of salt. And, um, but how that shows up for me is when I come out here, you know, for a beautiful hike like this, you know, I'm, I'm out here for multiple reasons. Yes, I'm out here because I just want to enjoy how I feel in nature. I just want to enjoy myself and nature feels great. Could be the beach, could be a bike ride, could be a hike. Then there's the appreciation level, nature appreciation of, I like this hike today because of the quiet, overcast, foggy vibe. Right. This is a particularly appreciable day for me. If it was a kind of a hot, sunny morning, I would still enjoy it. But there's something about this quiet, cool, more magical, mystical morning that I really appreciate. And then there's the deeper nature connection, the deeper nature connection that as I talk <clears throat> and, and walk on this hike, and even though I'm very preoccupied with recording this video and holding this, you know, device in my hand and tracking all the extra noises like the jet plane right now and wondering if I should pause. Um, I'm also just being really mindful of everything around me, you know, and earlier when I was pointing out the different plants, just, you know, not looking at them just as some inanimate object, but looking at them as, you know, something that, you know, I mean, scientifically, we know they're alive, but more than their aliveness, they have some kind of some kind of awareness. They're aware of me, I'm aware of them. And that right there is just a basic relationship 101. Acknowledgement, right? Just acknowledging that, you know, they exist. And experiencing the, the reciprocation that they know I exist. You know, attributing that level of consciousness, consciousness to the plants. What's really amazing, there's some cool, you know, cool ways you can actually uh, really build up that foundation of belief with some plants. For instance, uh, Venus flytrap is a great one, right? If you touch a, the little mouth thing of a Venus flytrap, it'll close almost instantaneously, right? It, it, it literally responds to your touch. It doesn't have a brain. And sure, we can explain that with the language of science. Um, we can explain that with the language of the common person or we can explain it with the language of nature connection. All three languages are equally viable. 
And right now I'm coming up to some hikers. They're also life forms. And uh, I will acknowledge them. And they're probably gonna acknowledge me. Hi, puppy. Morning. Good. <laughs> life forms life forms on this planet built by this planet <clears throat> those life forms you can't you cannot deny their sentience can't you know the level of discomfort i was feeling knowing that i'm holding this you know device and clearly i'm recording myself and and who knows what those guys are thinking, but just that whole moment, it's like, I, there's no way I could just block out that energy and pretend that they were inanimate, you know, uh, ambulating objects. <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about. Like, that wasn't me choosing to believe in their sentience, the consciousness of those other people, those humans. That's something you, you know, on that level, it's, it's not a choice. And I want to bring that same level of reverence and unavoidable uh, responsiveness to everything else in nature. To me, that's animism. Uh, I am no greater than any other object or thing that I encounter. And just like in you know the human world, the only human world, there is hierarchies. Um, Obviously, little children do not have the same uh, awarenesses, powers, strengths, abilities, cognitive uh, capacity as adults. So we don't um, grant them the same uh, privileges and uh, access to the ways we operate as adults. And that's appropriate. But we care for them and we love them and we, we make sure that they have everything they need to, you know, to become their fullest expressed self. And the whole time we're, you know, engaging with them. We're really, we're building relationship with them from the moment they come out of the womb. And so it's just bringing that same idea to, to everything else. You know, we do it with our pets. Um, we, on some level, do it with, um, you know, animism also subscribes to the idea that even if you make something, uh, you know, once that thing is deemed complete, um, it has some kind of sentience in some way. And you can experience that if you're, if you're a car aficionado, um, you may have named your car. It probably has a gender. It's probably a she. <laughs> and, uh, and you can tell you, you, if you drive your car a lot, there's certain days you get into the car. Um, you know, it's like when you go to wash your car, as soon as you finish washing that car and it looks great and you start to drive it, it just seems to drive a little better. Who's experienced that, right? Why is that? Yeah, sure. It's, you could say that's just a pure projection from our minds, but what is provoking that projection? How did that become a thing? Why does a clean car seem to drive better and where 
did that thought even generate? Because you can go the other way and say we absolutely know on a, you know, on a measurable level, it's not true. <laughs> that car is driving exactly the same way it drove before you pulled it into the car wash, right? But the experience, you know, and how did the idea of a clean car drives better ever even just arise into our consciousness? So looking at that as that is the car's part, right? There is, you know, there's a huge stigma around relating to things, projecting our anthropomorphism onto things, looking for the, the you know, how things are like us as humans. That's very, uh, there's a lot of disdain, particularly in the scientific world, it's a major no-no, right? But on the other hand, again, as Joshua says in his podcast, 99% of our existence was doing just that. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, you know, when I get more into the practice of looking for the attributes that I have as a human in other things that are not human, I start building relationship really much easier. And I like that. I like walking through this hike and looking at everything, looking at every tree and just getting a sense of its shape and just the way its leaves are you know, attached and just getting a sense of its character. Like this tree is definitely different than this tree. And the more I spend time just looking for the character within that tree compared to the character within this tree, the more connection I feel, the more I feel that I'm being seen in some way, like this tree is aware that I am looking at it so intently and that I'm looking for you know, the, the invisible tendrils that are extending out to connect with in that way that feels, you know, more than human. I would even say that, you know, as much as we say that only humans can connect and make a relationship and relate to each other the way humans do, that I would say that is not a human, that is not a, a solely a human, you know, we don't have the intellectual, emotional property rights to that. That is something that is in everything and that it's up to us more particularly as humans to, uh, to offer it. Morning. Oh, almost got you. <laughs> you know, humans might have the strongest antenna to pull in those attributes of you know emotion and feeling and awareness of relationship and everything else has an ability to pull that in too but because we can do it so so strongly you know are we not then responsible to then pay it forward to offer it outward to everything around us not just humans humans it's it's easy right and just because it's more difficult to experience that connection and build that relationship with anything else doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean we're not supposed to or we shouldn't. And what if we did? How might that change the way you begin to relate to literally everything else around you? Everything. Not just the people in your life, not just the pets, not just your favorite plants in the house, but everything, your front door, 
you know, the tree that grows down the corner of the block. The mountains you go to visit on a vacation. Uh, the car you drive. Even, yeah, even your phone. Starting to have a relationship with your phone. Ever get mad at your phone? You ever yell at your phone? <laughs> yeah, don't resist it. I think anthropomorphizing is a, a real powerful asset if, if we really want to start to understand how we are going to come around the bends uh, with the way we're living on this planet. So let's go there. Let's just kind of wrap this up into one of the biggest reasons why it's important to explore you know, this concept of animism and this way that your ancestors related to the planet and the way that there are some people who are still relating to this way of the planet and look at their sustainability of their peoples compared to the sustainability of, you know, the, the sustainability of their cultures compared to the sustainability of our cultures, right? So climate change, all the modernity that has um, put everything out into the planet that has caused a lot of the change we see that is making it very, very difficult for life to exist on this planet going forward. That is all came from humans who have rejected the notion that there is any consciousness or sentience in anything except us. And imagine if, if you were, you know, when, you, when you're in that space, you can pretty much do anything and there's really no feeling to it. Um, you know, dicing an onion, you probably don't think at all about the onions experience if you've diced enough onions or whatever. If you're cooking food, it's like you're chopping, you're dicing, you're slicing, you're just making it happen and then you eat the delicious food and you, again, you have that, uh, that level one nature uh, experience of, mm, this tastes good to me. This was for me. I'm, I am, am enjoying this experience of this meal, right? Maybe there's an appreciation level or there is with your foods. You know, there's certain foods you like for sure. Maybe you really like a medium rare grilled hamburger. That's it, right? And there's an appreciation for, you know, how that hamburger got to you. But then the, the deep, the deep nature connection of that hamburger it's like, where did that hamburger really come from? Something had to die, right? A, a, a very large life form that did not want to die, that avoided, would it, had it, had it given, been given a chance, would have completely avoided, uh, you know, going down before it's time. And then, you know, if you've ever watched or seen an animal that of that size uh, get butchered. It's gnarly. It is gnarly. And then, you know, all the hands and industries in place that it takes to get that hamburger to your, you know, to your grill. You know, that's the deep nature connection aspect of it is thinking about all that it takes, all that it takes, all the grass, or grain that that cow had to eat, right? Those were life forms too, the grass growing. Grass doesn't want to die, believe it or not, grass doesn't want to die. But it understands its purpose. 
if you're in the if you're in the animistic mindset or what i would like to say if you're in the the aligned mindset you know of humans the way they were intended to align and relate to the planet <sighs> okay i'm not gonna go out the deep end here um coming up on 40 minutes and uh I'll let you guys digest some of this and uh but really what i want to encourage you know if anyone's been listening to this podcast or if, even if you're a first-time listener if you have what you feel some kind of nature connection experience level one and definitely if you're able to notice where you're having nature appreciations um, this is the call to start going deeper start thinking about deep nature connection connection to nature so deep that there's no longer a distinction between you and anything outside of you it's just one and the same when you break your body down it's just full of minerals and water it's no different than the dirt underneath your feet. You are nature. Everything around you is nature. You know, if we're organized into an organism or an object that can relate and connect, why wouldn't we ascribe the same traits to anything else that's been organized into something we can see and touch and feel, taste and interact with. And if we were that connected the way that our ancestors were, um, how might that change the way we go about doing things? And at this stage, it's, it's super difficult There's a lot of systems in place that make it almost impossible for us to do what we need to do uh, to live the lives we're hoping to live uh, with, without those constructs. I get that. This is, not, this is not an easy task, turning the Titanic. But it's got to start somewhere. And the best way to see the results of change is to start with what each of us know we have control over. I don't have control over, you know, the 500, 600 people in Congress. I don't have control over my local government. I don't even have control over my neighbor. But I do have control over how I choose to perceive the world and align my actions in a way that points towards change, that points towards doing things differently. At least I can do that. And sure, I can try to do all the other things. I can write letters, I can uh, put out content. Um, there's all these things I can do and, and will do, yeah, but I can't, I can't uh, depend on them to make change because I, I know at a certain level, it's, it's time release, you know? <laughs> I mean, I'm not so pompous to think that 
one of my podcasts, you know, 10 years down the road is actually going to change the world. Maybe. Um, so I don't think about it like that. I think about that as, you know, I think about putting out podcasts like this and content like this as, um, uh, just expression, hoping to spark others, you know, to change what they can change at best, you know, in the meantime, when I'm not doing things like this, this is, you know, 45 minutes out of my day. I've got another 23 hours and 15 minutes of actual, uh, you know, boots on the ground action in the rest of my day to be constantly choosing how I will be relating to this world and how that will change the way that I do things. You know, change my values and my standards of what's really important in this world, in my world, right? This is my life. And it doesn't have to look anything like the life out there that's the greater uh, collective unconscious is, is saying it should look like. Because honestly, I spent, you know, 35, almost 40 years trying to figure out how to get that life, you know, to feel that comfort of like, okay, I'm doing it right because my life looks kind of like the life that's being told I should be living. And all the while, it didn't feel right underneath. Something didn't feel right. I was going after comfort, you know, connection and relationship in, in, in a way that was not aligned with some deeper truth that I didn't know it was there until it bubbled up and became undeniable to respond to. And here I am still unthreading it all and sewing it back together in a different way. And it looks nothing like the way that I was trying to live my life those, you know, first couple of decades. So take heart. Um, think about this stuff. I would, you know, love to hear any uh, thoughts, any feedback. So the threads are always open. And uh, thanks for listening. See you next time. Okay, that is the program for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, really uh, hope that you are getting something to think about, to uh, to feel about, to explore about from um, the First Nature uh, installations here on the Rising Man podcast. And um, hey, big shout out to Mark and Julian. Uh, those two guys are the are the men that uh, cleaned this content up, um, edited it together. Make sure it looks great, it sounds great, and gets it up on time to the interwebs and to you. So thank you guys for uh, all the work you do consistently every month. Yeah, you know, I, I always like to plug the website because honestly, that's where everything is in, in one place. If uh, And really the plug is, you know, just really from the bottom of my heart, if, if you are a man of any age, I'm 56, you guys, all right? So it's never too late to uh, explore deeper into who you are and what your purpose is uh, as a man here on planet Earth. Um, and if you're, you know, anywhere beyond or below that number, there is something for you in the Rising Man organization. So do yourself a favor, fellas, head over to the risingman.org website and hit the programs tab and just take a look at what's being offered. And uh, I guarantee you every one of those programs 
are designed, uh, are holding the intention by design to help you be the best man that you can be in this world. Um, and we can even take some of the edge off the gender piece there and just say more specifically to be the best adult, the best functioning holistic adult you can be in this day and age. It's such an important uh, thing to, to understand who you are and what your gift is to the world and to not rely on the world at large to dictate that to you. Um, but that's how most of us grow up in the world with pictures and ideas about what it means to be an adult. And some of them are healthy, some of them are not so healthy and, and there's everything in between. And what we rarely get is the time and the space and the support to really do that deep detective work inside ourselves, to, to take that inventory and really discover what is it about me that makes me tick and that gets me lit up and passionate about being engaged with the world, being engaged with my family, being engaged with my friends and my communities, right? In a way that I'm being of service without compromising who I am. So, um, gosh, where to start? I've been participating in uh, the Rising Man organization for going on, uh, I guess this is, my, this is my fifth year now. And, uh, and typically I'm showing up to the Compass programs. I'm a guide with uh, the Compass program, which really is the, um, the, the program of all programs. That truly is a program uh, where the opportunity to be initiated into your adult life as a man that you claim um, can happen and be witnessed by other men who have done the same. So there's that and all the way down to, hey, just sign up and get into the brotherhood, right? Get into the Telegram threads and chats. It's a really easy bar to hop over and, um, and you'll be surprised at how many uh, just really lovely, heartfelt and vulnerable, important conversations are being held by dozens of men in those chat threads and you can be one of them. So get started, you guys. Uh, there's no time like the present. Don't wait for a crisis to hit you between the eyes before you reach out for help. Um, build the connections now, build the support now, build the circles of men in your life now who you know will be there to uh, talk it through, support men who will give you their undivided attention, uh, experience, and uh, listening ear to uh, help you figure out what your next move is when the going gets rough. So do yourself a favor, sign up. As for me, I'm signing off. So thank you again so much for tuning in. And remember, get outside to find out who you are inside. I'm Sean Barry. I'll see you next time right here on First Nature.